Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. In each episode, we spend some time catching up, we share a recommendation of something we've loved recently, and then we go on to discuss a topic that we think is really relevant. These are often quite big topics, and they're things that a lot of people might be thinking about, feeling, going through, but aren't always having the conversation about, so we want to open up that conversation. If you want to get involved in it, then please do get in touch with us. We've got our Instagram account and also our email address down in the show notes so you can get in touch with us. And if you hit follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, then every Wednesday, a brand new episode will land in your inboxes and you will stay up to date. What more could you want? Um, I don't know if you can hear the birds tweeting in the background. I'm sorry if that's slightly annoying, but I think it's quite nice. I actually can't hear them and I'm sad about it. It's very peaceful. It's very like springy, you know? Yeah. (laughs) We've just got seagulls, so that's... Not anyway the same. Seagulls are always more vicious than I think they are, you know? Yeah, it's because they always want your food. Yeah, they're just a bit gobby. Like, they're not my favourite bird. Although I was in Dubrovnik last week and I saw them, they do a pigeon feeding at midday every day and that was wild. I mean, I don't like pigeons. There's people letting their, I mean, this is a completely different conversation, people letting their kids crawl in the, the swarm of pigeons. Disgusting. Ooh. Yeah, really, really gross. I but, mean, I feel like that's how you get rabies or a hepatitis or something, you know? Yeah, I was like, I'm all for obviously building your child's immunity, but maybe like let them crawl around in your back garden, not in a market square, in a I don't, I'm calling them a swarm of pigeons because that's what they look like, but I'm sure that's not the collective noun for a pigeon. Oh, I wonder what it is. A flock? A, a mock of pigeons. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to Google this. Hold on. I've got to know. <laughs> oh, God. So many things come up. Oh, my God. Do you know what a group of pandas is called? No. An embarrassment of pandas. Oh, my God. Okay. We that. never, I don't think we ever would have actually. Oh, hold on. Oh, I don't know what that word is. So we're going to ignore it. <laughs> a flock of pigeons is called a loft of pigeons or a pastel of pigeons. Pastel? Pastel. Oh. P-A-S-S-E-L. Interesting. Okay. Well, we've learned something new today. Oh, no. You could also call them a dropping a band or a flight. Oh, basically, okay, yeah. no one a, a plague. Basically, no one knows what a group of pigeons is called. Plague sounds accurate, though. Yeah, do you know what? It's the second time in a week that I've had a conversation about hygiene and like exposing yourself to germs. Because at the gym, and our new gym has no facilities to wipe down equipment in between use. Oh. So, like, yeah, I know. Okay, and I'm the type of person who takes my own stuff with me because I don't want to like hurt the planet blah 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 I've got like my reusable cloth and my own spray and stuff and I always wipe down before I sit on it because I don't trust human beings but then afterwards especially because I just think no one needs to sit in my butt sweat Mm -hmm. like I'm not lifting anything that heavy and I'm not a particularly sweaty human being and I always leave sweat patches so like come on if you're leaving equipment and you're dripping with sweat you know you've left a puddle behind you yeah and there's yeah. just no, there's just nothing to like clean with. Apparently it's like an environmental and economic reason. And I'm like, right. 
which I could get on board with, but there's not even any signs asking people to wipe it down or like bring their own stuff. And I am shook. And someone was like, yeah, well, you know, you've got to expose yourself to germs. I'm like, look, I am all for exposing myself to germs, but I don't want to sit in someone's bull sweat. That's not the germ I want to expose myself to. Like the whole expose yourself to germs. I feel like that's more of a thing when you're a child anyway, to build like some sort of immunity. That doesn't mean we all just like go around leaving our bodily fluids everywhere. Like, hello, COVID, we don't need a 2.0. Thank you. Exactly. And the guy was like, yeah, well, you know, we've got to like not avoid viruses because that's how they get really bad. And I was like, I understand all of this. But I was like, that's gross. Also, if you're getting off the equipment and you know that you have left a puddle of your own sweat and you're not wiping it, I just I can't help but judge you for that, you know? Mm-hmm. yeah it's gross I'm hardcore judging as well it's... okay I'm pleased I'm not the only one I was like god maybe I'm a real princess and like I'm just no actually I think I just don't want to sit in other people's bodily fluids and when we get home we always I, I thought we were weird because we always wipe down our phone like we disinfect our phone and then when, no, when I was always, at yours the other always. weekend and I saw you do it I was like oh my god we're not the only ones that do this every time we get in the house we thoroughly wash our hands and we wipe down our phones because it's just like don't know just you just know sometimes don't you this bit germy yeah and you put it down on stuff and then you put it against your face oh yeah no and then you eat you you, you're on your phone while you're eating no oh god this is a lovely conversation for a wednesday morning well it's actually a sunday morning isn't it it makes us sound like real germaphobes and i don't i don't think i'm that bad no i mean we've both stayed in hostels and stuff like that i feel like if you're a real germaphobe you don't do that yeah i mean i haven't stayed in a hostel since covid but it's a whole other uh no, fish, I have I don't remember the last time I stayed in hostel actually. 2018? Maybe 2019? We're we're post hostel era, I think. We are. Although sometimes I do think hostels are nicer than hotels. Like I've stayed in hostels that are nicer than some hotels I've stayed in. We'll be staying in some in Japan because you've got the really nice like capsule ones and you get your own space. Mm. And obviously they're super clean and hygienic there. So a hundred percent we'll be doing that in Japan. I think it's very depends where you are and uh the the vibe that you get yeah i agree i agree um how are you spending your easter weekend my dear um well i'd say i have a balance of things going on we we had a fun road trip on friday we did some um filming for an exciting campaign for the croatian tourism board so really like fun stuff that i'm really excited about um then also we are packing up our apartment getting ready to leave and I just periodically keep crying so it's all about it's all about the balance this weekend oh chicken I'm not laughing at you but it is somewhat entertaining just because like please laugh we would I would do exactly the same yeah it's a it's a bittersweet weekend but we knew it was coming we've got one more week we're staying somewhere else for we're staying on an island for a week which is kind of nice because I feel like we've got it's like we move out of our home here and then we get like a little kind of holiday type thing. It's like degrees of separation. Yeah. And also you then have all the stress of packing up and your final memories of living in Croatia aren't like the stress of packing up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So not the most exciting Easter weekend of packing, but um, what are you up to this weekend? So Friday we ate a lot, drank a lot of rosé, and laughed a lot with family, the dream. Love it. 
Yesterday, we had a nice wander around Canterbury, the usual chaos that ensues when our family is together, and then um, ate a lot of food. And today, we are eating a lot of food, I think. I think we're going to be those Brits. It's going to be 17 degrees today. Ooh. So I think we're going to try and have a barbecue. Now, oh my God. I don't think we have anything to put on a barbecue. So I don't know how well this is going to go. We might end up having a barbecue tomorrow, even though it's meant to rain tomorrow. Um, but I plan on sitting in the garden, drinking rosé, reading my book, just chilling and unwinding and fully taking four days off to just decompress a bit. The last couple of months have been intense, mm -hmm. to say the least. Um and losing my voice last week was a nice kick up the backside to be like, honey, you need to slow down and take care of yourself a bit more. So that's exactly what I'm doing. Very nice. Also take comfort in the fact that it's actually going to be warmer there than it is in Split. So, <gasps> really? I mean, it says highs of 16. It's sunny, but it's been really windy here the last few days. So, uh, yeah, we will not be barbecuing, but it's going to be warmer in the UK. I mean, I'm just really hoping it actually comes through and is warm. We, um, I'm just very excited and I've had visions since. So one of my favorite Easter's weirdly was the Easter in 2020 because it was so hot. I was able to sit in the garden for like three days, just drink alcohol and read books. And Love it was it. divine. So that is what I really, really want to recreate this Easter. So I'm just hoping that the weather comes through. Very, uh, <laughs> I was explaining to Taylor yesterday, like what actually Easter is from like a religious perspective. And I love how it's all like, what are we using, uh, this important point in the, uh, the Christian calendar year for drinking wine, eating, oh, God, reading yeah. a book, the best. If you actually do celebrate Easter as in like from a religious point of view, then happy Easter. If you're celebrating Passover, because I know that's soonish, I think it started. Um, happy Passover. Do you say happy Passover? Hold on. I don't know. You know more than I do. Hold on. Hold on. God, Google is my best friend today. Oh, no, happy Passover is an appropriate sentiment, according to palmbeachpost.com. And Ramadan Mubarak to anyone who's fasting. What is your recommendation this week? I have a book, so if anyone else, well, I mean, it's too late, really, because you've passed Easter weekend, but we're heading into peak bank holiday season in the UK. Um, so if you want to spend your future bank holidays reading, or maybe you just want a good book, I am officially late to the party, but oh my God, I finished The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And this is a perfect example of a book that has so much hype surrounding it. And I know both of us have spoken before how we hate it when something's really overhyped mm -hmm. um, and it actually really puts us off engaging with it. But it was on Kindle Daily Deals for like 99p or something like that. And I loved Malibu Rising. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to give it a go because it's it's the rights of it have been bought by Netflix. So a film is coming in the future. So, right. And it is just excellent it really so it's about Evelyn Hugo who is like a Hollywood starlet and it starts from like the 50s all the way through to like modern day and it 
the story is told um, as she is recounting her life to a journalist who's writing a book about her life, basically. Um, and each like chapter is about one of her marriages. And you kind of start, as most people would go, in seven husbands. You kind of think, all oh, right, okay. And that's what the whole story is surrounding, is you think you know someone. Like if someone is a celebrity, you we are all guilty of assuming we know a lot about them because they're a public person. But in reality, we know so little and we shouldn't go around judging other people's stories just by the bits that we see. It is in parts hilarious, but it's mainly just really heartwarming, life-affirming, genuinely fascinating um, and looks at kind of the how all human beings are more complex than we ever give them credit for. And we often see the outcomes of people's actions, but we don't always understand the reasons why. It's beautifully written as all of her work is. Um, I'm actually kind of gutted it's being made into a movie rather than a TV series. I think it would work better as a TV series, but mm. that is a hill to die on for another day. Um but I wanted to recommend it. I know it is such a popular book. Like it's there's a reason Netflix have bought the rights, but it's a book I wasn't sure about reading because it had been so hyped up for so long. I thought, how can this possibly live up to expectations? It really did. The ending is perfect. I think she has a really great way of ending books in a really satisfying way, but that still is um very like true to the rest of the book do you know what I mean it's not like a, it's never a cop-out ending yeah I always um, feel like her endings they're never a cliche but you're still pretty happy yes. with how it is completely that like you feel really satisfied by them um and I just thoroughly enjoyed it I read it so quickly um and I was kind of devastated when it was over I actually had no idea that Netflix had bought the rights that's interesting yeah. have also, you read it no I've not read it Okay, please read it because there's so many things in it I really want to discuss with you. Um, so I need you to read it, please. <laughs> it's been on my list for ages. I have such a bad backlog and then I've barely read for the last, last two weeks, which is painful. I need something that's like, I need something easy that I'm going to like devour in a day to get me back on with my reading, I feel like. I would say it's typical Taylor Jenkins read of the first like 15, 20%. You're kind of like, I don't know about this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it changes gear and you're like, I can't put this book down. And by the end of it, I was like crying, but like happy tears and like, oh God, yeah. I've got that. And I've also got uh, Carrie Soto is back. That's I've bought it. It's just in my to read list. That's on my um, to read as well. I can't wait to read that. I just love her. I love her, but I I really think she has mastered, like she has really become like an author of our generation. I, oh, I feel like she's become so iconic. And the way that she is so inspired by pop culture moments and like extrapolates them out and the way she's created her own universe, like characters from Malibu Rising appear mm. in um, Evelyn Hugo. Yeah. And characters from Evelyn Hugo appear in Daisy Jones and Carrie Soto is from Malibu Rising and all of that sort of thing. Like it's just it's so well done. Um mm -hmm. I just yeah. 
Okay. Really thoroughly enjoyed it. It's very, very rare. I rate a book five stars, like so incredibly rare. I think five stars on Goodreads should be reserved for books that really like challenged how you think or see things. I think I gave this one five stars. Ooh. But I do feel like she always manages to get like a really like overarching theme in there, but without it feeling like a heavy, like academic style book. Like there's always a really interesting narrative and commentary on on something. I'm just so excited for you to read it because once you do, we can have such an in-depth conversation. Okay, right. I'll have to buy (laughs) it and read it soon. I'm under pressure. Okay. (laughs) What is your what is your recommendation? Mine is very different. Um, it's a BBC documentary that I believe aired this week. I watched it on Netflix. I watched it on iPlayer and it's called A Very British Cult. And oh, I want to watch this. Oh my, so, so interesting, but really, really shocking. It's um, It follows an 18-month investigation by BBC journalist Catherine Nye, nee? not sure how you pronounce her last name, um, but they look into a an organization called Lighthouse, which markets itself as a uh, life coaching company. And instead, they it leads to this bullying, coercion, and isolation of the people that sign up wow. to their mentorship and stuff. It's an insane insane amount of money from them like you can't even fathom and what I found really interesting was when I was watching it I thought this is so similar to an MLM where you you join these calls and they tell you or like a pyramid scheme where they tell you like your family aren't supportive they're toxic cut them out of your life like the very uh like isolating nature that makes people so reliant on the inner workings of a pyramid scheme because they because the pyramid scheme like seeks to keep them as part of the scheme and isolate themselves from everyone who's trying to get them out of the scheme. Lighthouse is a really similar thing. And it starts off by introducing you to Jeff, who in 2019, he was going to go on an expedition to the South Pole and he wanted someone to mentor him and expand his business amb- ambitions. Like intelligent guy, like loads going on. And within like two years, He'd sold a house so he could give money to Lighthouse to become more involved in their business. He like his relationship was destroyed. He'd handed over like three hundred thousand pounds. So why would you pay like that amount to be mental? But he just he ended up on these coaching calls that it would start off at one a week, and then two years later, he was in calls that were lasting ten hours a day. And That's he was, really scary. Yeah, he was not allowed off the calls. They recorded absolutely everything in the calls. So they'd, he'd end up sharing like childhood traumas or Whoa. inner workings of his family or things within his relationship. And they were obviously using that to then basically manipulate and blackmail them into staying. Um, I I won't like kind of say spoil. You could Google it and find out what happened. But at the end of the investigation by the BBC, um, it was quite like a final showdown of uh, what happened with the company and how their kind of um, manipulation and ultimately like taking money from people, how it came into the public limelight. Um, 
And I think one of the really interesting things that came from it is how you just associate this sort of stuff with somewhere in the US. Yeah. You don't expect this kind of company and this kind of behavior to be happening right here in the UK. And it's actually a Midlands based company as well. So right in the, the area that I'm from. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just really interesting. It's an hour long documentary on BBC, um, something a bit different, but I definitely recommend just purely from a, a perspective of, I was completely naive to anything like this existing in the UK. Oh, we might watch that tonight then, because I do. we all do love a documentary. I think as well, those things are a really good reminder. I mean, it's not a million miles from what we were just saying about Evelyn Hugo, but you can very easily assume people who get involved in cults and stuff are all just silly, vulnerable, naive, all of those kind of stereotypes. But actually, that isn't always the case. And Mm -hmm. the people who run these cults or MLMs or whatever, like, not that I'm conflating the two, although, you know, there are some commonalities at times um anything anything like any structure like that that kind of does rely on vulnerable people getting involved I think it's important to remember that no one sets out to be duped in those situations yeah um and documentaries like this can really remind us of that and like it I guess it just makes you remember the human experience a bit doesn't it like it can happen to anyone like you always think, oh, I would never be stupid enough to do this. But then when you watch the documentary and you see these very intelligent people who are obviously like seeking mentorship and like expanding yeah. their own boundaries. And this company is almost like grooming them for like two years. Like a lot of them are, have these meetings for two years before they're asked to put up any money. And then Whoa, it's okay. then it's like ten thousand pounds, then it's twenty-five thousand pounds, then it's fifty thousand pounds, and like you can see how over that course of time when you build a relationship and trust with your with your men- mentor you can see how it how it happens it's so gradual yeah and also at that point if you've had two years of meetings you'd be going well actually maybe it's quite good value for money and that you are naturally a self-aware person if you are um if you're seeking out that sort of mentorship yeah yeah okay very very really interesting, interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, shall we discuss this week's topic? I feel like this is very relevant to both of us right now and just generally the feeling in the world of everyone I speak to. Yeah, absolutely agree. So we wanted to have a conversation this week about getting your life back on track. Um, it's a new season. It's a new financial year, which as a side note, I do think is something I want to really adopt as the new year because having a new year start in the spring is far better than in the middle of winter mm-hmm. but that's conversation for another day but it seems that everyone I've been speaking to recently feels like they've kind of lost lost control a bit or they feel like they're just not on track to where they wanted to be at this point in the year or just generally in life and you and I have had a lot of conversations about this recently and just that feeling of god we're not we're just not quite there so we wanted to open that up and just talk about if you feel like you need to get things back on track, whatever that means to you, how do you go about it? Because there is that moment when you feel like you've lost control, where it's just terrifying and overwhelming and you really don't know where to start. Yeah, I honestly feel like this episode is a little bit premature because I'd hope to be feeling more back on track than I am doing <laughs> right now. Um, but I'm going to see it as an opportunity to talk through 
what I'm actually trying to do to help myself because like you said I think a lot of people relate to this feeling right now and especially yeah especially now we're what into the fourth month of the year and I think there is a lot of I don't want to say pressure but I actually do think it's pressure that you put on yourself to be performing a certain way and doing things a certain way or achieving a certain level of something and it's really hard to avoid those negative thoughts and that critical thinking that you've you've failed or you've lost it and that's why I think compassion is such a huge part of this process of getting back on track because it's definitely not an immediate thing of overnight flicking a switch and everything's back to where you want it to be Oh, completely. And I think there's a real thing with feeling like you're not on track with shame as well. And I know we've spoken about the wonderful Brené Brown several times on this podcast. Um, If you aren't familiar with her work, I really would go check it out. She talks a lot about shame and how it really isn't essentially a useful, useful thing to put yourself through. I think it's particularly relevant in this conversation because when you have big plans especially if you start them at the beginning of the year you have these big plans you know what you want you're going after it and then all of a sudden you feel burnt out or overwhelmed or you're just not where you want to be it's extremely easy to sit there and go I should have known better I should have done better I especially if you're a bit like me and you're guilty of definitely in the past getting yourself very burnt out and then not really doing anything to prevent it happening again it's so easy to give yourself a hard time, but actually it's just such a waste of energy because it doesn't change where you are. All it does is keep you in that kind of horrible mindset of feeling really ashamed and guilty that you've let yourself and other people down. Mm-hmm. But I think recognising that that is not a useful way to feel is part of like the learning process of realizing that you're the only one that can take that control and I don't mean that as like something to pressure on you like oh well this responsibility is on you and only you it's almost I guess it takes from my perspective I feel like it takes the weight off a little bit because you're not relying on anyone else it's the changes that you can make at your own pace to take back control and it doesn't mean you can't ask for help or tell your partner or a friend or whoever that you are struggling a bit and that you're you're really trying to get things back on track but you're you're the one who has the control like the ability to take control of the situation if you feel like you're spiraling I think it's so reassuring to realize you have control as well and that you can Mm -hmm. um but I think the most important thing when you have that realization is starting small like Don't think that you're going to wake up tomorrow and go, oh, everything is back on track and I feel great because it's taken a long time probably for you to reach a point where you feel like you aren't on track and you have lost control. Mm -hmm. So the way I always try to approach it, what are the little things I can do? What are the quick wins? And it could be as simple as putting on a load of laundry or picking up some like basic food supplies, all of those little things that when life is hectic, when you're busy, when you're overwhelmed, they are the things that get pushed to the sideline first. And I mm-hmm. think you almost need to trick your mind a little bit and put the washing on and go and pick up the food shop and like do a quick clean of your like living environment because it builds up that resilience in your own mind to go, yes, actually I am capable of getting myself out of this situation and taking control again. And you, it just gives you that quick serotonin boost you need to remind yourself that you are able to do it. 
Yeah, I think it's a bit like that productivity hack, isn't it? Like if there's a few things that you can tick off your to-do list really quickly, it then gives you that boost to to kind of to continue. So if doing a shop, if putting a wash on, if tidying your desk, all of those things are quick ticks. And then your mind space feels a bit clearer to tackle oh, the, the bigger things. And I do think my... that, oh, sorry. No, no, you go. That's all I was going to say is like, if my physical space is cluttered, I know my men- mentally, I find it far harder to like be engaged in the moment and stay in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I do think as part of the whole, that kind of going back to basics as well, not putting pressure on yourself to do the things that you were doing at your peak, like productivity or performance level. So like when I've got a really good routine going, I'm going to the gym, like most weekdays, um, tackling big tasks every day that might not feel possible if you feel like you've fallen off track a little bit. So instead of putting pressure on myself to go to the gym, I will just say, I know that it's important to move my body, but I'm going to just make sure that I go for a walk lunchtime or something like that yeah and if you can do those things which are good routines and healthy habits but not put pressure on yourself to go all in at 100 percent, then it's going to be a lot easier to get back on track for sure I think it's also a really good opportunity to kind of go okay what are the things I could do to make my life easier because it's all well and good like when everything's back to normal going okay I won't let that happen again but in reality it's there's a lot going on all the time and so I think if you can just find some I guess like almost approach it with that like fail forward mindset okay okay what went wrong last time what can I do to prevent it next time one of the things that we actually started doing at the start of the year which to begin with we were a bit like oh it feels a bit lazy it feels a bit indulgent but we started signing up to all plants um I will leave my link down in the thing. It's not sponsored, I think. It's just that you get 30% off like your first order or whatever. Happy days. Um, but the reason we did that was that we were like, okay, when we're busy and overwhelmed, we know that one of the things that goes really quickly is how we're eating because we don't have time to cook something nutritious. It's probably later in the day that we're starting to eat. We might not have fresh food in because we're busy and so it's going off. But if we could have some like, meals in the freezer that have at least two of your five a day in it they're high fiber they're high protein you're getting all like your essential vitamins and minerals why don't we lower the bar so that in those times where life is hectic we don't we just remove the stress we remove the stress of eating we remove the stress of meal prep and we go this is our bare minimum and it's made a real difference because automatically you don't like you just you've prepped yourself for a future win And at the time we were like, oh God, but like, we want to get back on track to a place where we are cooking regularly, et cetera. But sometimes that isn't always practical. And the best thing you can do is just change how you're doing things because otherwise you're just going to end up in the same situation in a few months time. Hmm. Yeah. Because I think if you're, if you've fallen off track a bit, you're going through a period of your life that's probably overstretching you. Oh yeah. So you need to I mean if you can take those preventative measures like signing up to all plants or like whatever it might be that makes your life easier that's obviously great but I think this is where the importance of routine comes in like what can you do to streamline your day makes routine like so you don't have to work for your routine I mean it's like all the habit stacking and things that we've spoken about before 
how can you reduce the friction and yes make routine like the easiest option for you so that you I guess you have more balance and you're more easily able to prioritize because you're not using the brain space to have to make decisions that ultimately are not that big of a decision but they feel like they are I completely that like how do you give yourself a win and I was reading an interesting thing when was it yesterday day before about routines and how routines are one of the best ways to build confidence in your ability like in your own ability um, and your own resilience because you repeatedly do something and prove to yourself you can do it and if you're feeling overwhelmed that's a really important thing to do because it really helps like it's the quickest way to build that up again um Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting so I hadn't really thought about routines in that way before but I think that's really important but I think you know often when you feel like your life is on track it's not just a couple of little things there's often like a few bigger things in there as well and even though it's really scary and like overwhelming I do think the best thing you can do is face into that Mm -hmm. and just spend some time whether you sit down and maybe you journal it out or you go for a walk and you think about it or you talk to like someone you care and like who cares about you and who you trust you've got to face into the reason that you actually feel like that is it that your career isn't quite where you want it to be is it that you're quite unhappy in your relationship is it that you aren't where you thought you wanted you would be at this point and actually you need to reconcile that the version of yourself that you thought you would be in the version that you are are two different people. Like there's so many reasons you might feel like that. Um, but you've got to just, I do think you have to like face it head on at some point. And that's going to be where you really start to feel like you're getting things back on track. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that you mentioned journaling and stuff there, but the self-reflection part is so important because one, it makes you think about, okay, where did I think I wanted to be? Or where am I unhappy? Mm. And you can almost make more of a practical plan to make changes. Like it makes the feeling more identifiable, like the root cause of it more identifiable. Also, I I do think that self-reflection, whatever it might be, it could just be listening to music and going on a walk, or it could be meditating. But I think it also helps you identify the bad habits that are not serving you that might be contributing to you either falling off track or not making it as easy for you to get back on track and it obviously that's going to take a while to identify those things but I do think whether it could just it might even not be it might not be like a physical tangible thing like I don't know there's no progression opportunities at your job for example it could be you're very like self-critical or negative talk or things like that but taking the time to acknowledge them is going to be a really part really big part of the process of getting back on track I agree and as soon as you acknowledge them you realize that you're actually a lot more capable of dealing with them Mm -hmm. it's a bit like we were talking about it's a bit like we were talking about the spotlight effect last week the week before last um Mm -hmm. and how once you give something a name once you know what it is you're dealing with it's far less scary yeah. Because suddenly it isn't just you. It isn't just like in your head. And then you can mm-hmm. deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And also when you are dealing with it and kind of the process of getting yourself back on track, it's not going to be a perfect process and it's not going to be instant. And I know you mentioned that at the start, that it's not a flick of a switch. and It's not going to happen overnight, but you do need that 
compassion and space for yourself and just like be gentle with yourself and what your self expectations are. Because if you've taken the time to understand what the causes are and what things you need to change, what friction you need to remove, then you also need to understand that it's not going to be like a quick and easy overnight fix. Completely. And you've got to have those steps in place as well that it almost does feel like a journey that you're back on. I know that sounds really cringy and cliche, but I think it's going, okay, instead of saying everything's going to be solved this week, this week I'm going to focus on like making sure that I'm eating well. And then next week it's eating well and getting to the gym twice. And then the week after it, but you build it up because then it is more sustainable as well. And you're back to that mindset of building habits, which will help you to hopefully avoid this in the future. And like, look, life happens. You can never fully avoid these things. Like you never know what's coming next. But um, I think if you can get into a mindset where it's like, okay, let's try so it's less likely to happen. That's a really positive place to be in. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and that it's, if you're one of the people as well, like honestly, the number of conversations I've had like this in the past couple of weeks, um, it feels like everyone's going through it. So if you are, then please don't feel like you're alone. Um, We have definitely, definitely felt it in the past couple of weeks and months. But like we said, you just got to be gentle with yourself, be compassionate. And remember, there's no place for shame in these things. We're human beings. Life happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you have any thoughts or any other topics you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch with all of the contact details, which are down in the show notes. In the meantime, have a wonderful week. Enjoy, hopefully, some spring sunshine. And we'll be back next week with a new episode. Bye. We will. Have a wonderful week. Bye. Oh.